I hope and pray by the, the grace of God that every one of us will really get serious about what Paul is saying to the church uh, in Philippi uh, in this second chapter. Uh, we're going to be reading, Philippi, and I've got it already on your handout. You can open uh, your Bible if you'd like to. Uh, uh, I'm, I've got it already printed out on the uh, printout, Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to read the first 11 verses. Um, and uh, you can just follow along right there on your handout or open your Bible, ever what you want to do on that. He says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind that each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, uh, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And can a church say amen to that? Amen. All right. Now, what we're going to be talking about this evening, what I've titled the first part of this chapter, The Higher Call of Unity by the Example of Christ. The Higher Call of Unity by the example of Christ. Now let's just read along in our, um, in our handouts and we're going to talk a little bit here. As we proceed on into this epistle, we find that the Apostle Paul wastes no time in declaring to the church in Philippi exactly what they have been called to and whose example they should follow to achieve that end. In Paul's letter, he desires to place a resolve in their minds that there is strength in unity. Amen. There is strength in unity. They must become, as he said, like-minded, be in one accord, never become fragmented by proud spirits and attitudes of superiority. Follow the example of Jesus who humbled himself, who even though he was God, he lived as a servant, or according to their terminology in that day, a slave. 
Hallelujah. So, tonight we're focusing on a higher call. A call of unity to the body of Christ. Now, we hear all kind of talk. I, I, I talk about it. I hear about it uh, uh, from a lot of people. How bad things are and how uh, 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 things are going on and uh, uh, against Christianity and, and, and all that. Uh, but folks, here, here's, here's the real issue right here. The problem with the church is not on the outside. The problem with the church, Brother Jeff, is on the inside. Now, we can sit around and talk about what the government's doing, what's going on in the schools, and all that. But the reason why that the church is lacking in power and not accomplishing nothing is because the body is not unified like it ought to be. Hallelujah. There's strength in unity. Amen. The Bible says two is better than one. And Ecclesiastes, he said, and, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm afraid that many of us have forgotten how important it is for the church to be unified, to be as one. And that's what the Apostle Paul was writing here and talking to this church about. He was telling them uh, about the higher call of unity and the way to achieve that is by following the example that Jesus himself gave. So the first thing that we're talking about tonight, and it's on your handout, is becoming one in Christ. Becoming one in Christ. How many have heard the scripture, forsake not to assemble yourselves together? I remember, uh, now I guess just about everybody in here knows Brother John Tiffin from Murfreesboro. I remember when he first came to Nashville. Brother Hale's church was the first church that opened the doors and he preached in. And I remember I was there the night he preached, and I remember he used that scripture. Forsake not the assembling yourself together. And this is what Brother Tipton said. And it stuck with me all of these years. And man, this has been, this goes way back. But it, it, it stuck with me because I had never, I was, I was real young myself then, and I had never heard it like that. He says a lot of people in the church today think just become, because they come to the church, and sit down on the pew beside somebody else, and somebody's in front of them, somebody's behind them, they think they've assembled themselves. He said, but that's not assembling yourself. Now, we raised three children, and uh, during those years, Christmas was a trying time for me. Because I never did to get Harley to go to sleep the night before Christmas. (laughs) 
and you buy all this stuff, and you would think as much as you pay for it, all you got to do is open up a box and take it out. But when you open, uh, but, but when you open up, uh, up the, bo- uh, the, the box, it says assembly required. Now, all the pieces to that kitchen set that I bought, we bought Cassie, it was all in the box. But it had to be assembled. It had to be put together. Now, we come, we come to the church house, and we're all in the box. We're all in the room. But that don't mean we always assemble. It don't mean we're always together. Because you got one part over here, another part over there. Scattered. Hallelujah. Amen. And assembling yourself together means, as another scripture Paul said, being fitly framed together. Hallelujah. Church, from a sincere, honest heart tonight, Amen. The body of Christ as a whole has failed in that area. Hallelujah. Amen. We have got to become one in Christ. I don't care how much you pray and how much you fast. If you got one person focused on one thing over here, somebody focusing on something else over here, you're not unified. Hallelujah. Sometimes... We need to have focused prayer. Sometimes we need to be every, everybody praying for the same need at the same time. Amen. To bombard heaven over a particular... I've seen it happen. We have done it. And when you do it, I've never seen a, a, a failure in that type of prayer. Glory. Hallelujah. Becoming one in Christ Jesus. If you remember from the first chapter, Paul wrote this letter. I explained this to you, uh, our first study of it. Paul wrote the letter to uh, 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 the Philippian church out of appreciation for the love gift they had sent him to help supply his needs while in prison. If you remember, I told you the history. that Being in jail back in those days, quite a bit different than being in jail today. If you was put in the Roman jail, if you didn't have some family or friends that cared enough about you to send food to you and take care of you, you would starve to death. They didn't feed you in those places back then. They, they put you in there and they locked you up and they walked away and forgot you. Amen. I'd read, read the history. You'll find out that's the way it was. Amen. And so the church in Philippi had been taking up love offerings and, 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 and getting stuff together when they found out Paul was locked up in jail and they would bring him stuff to help fulfill and supply his needs. So he wrote this letter in appreciation to them for what they was doing. Now, but now he asked something of them which he said would fulfill my joy. You remember us reading that? Hallelujah. Amen. In other words, Paul said 
if you really want to complete my happiness, I want you to do this. Right up there, it's on your handout sheet, and it's up there. He said, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Hallelujah. Now, he first gives his appreciation for what they've done for him. He said, but if you really want to, to make me happy, fulfill ye my joy. How, how, how could, can, could, can they fulfill or make Paul's joy complete? He said, I want you all to be like-minded. He said, in other words, he said, I want you to all think the same way. We're talking about becoming one in Christ now. He said, I want you to have the same love. Don't you dare love brother so-and-so more than you do brother so-and-so over here. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't, don't try to show more love and appreciation to the sister so-and-so than you do. Uh, don't, in other words, don't have no respect to persons. Hallelujah. Amen. Paul said, this is what you need to do as a body. I want you to be like-minded, all think the same way. I want, you all to, I want you all to have the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Hallelujah. You've got to be focused together. We can't be just scattered and, and, and everybody out doing their own thing. And I'm sorry, folks, we got a church full of people today that everybody wants to do their own thing. Nobody wants to get in order. Nobody wants to follow the leadership and the move of the Spirit. Everybody thinks they got a better, everybody thinks they're forward. They think they got, they got a better idea. Some of you old enough remember those commercials from Ford with the, the, light, uh, the, the light bulb on there. Ford's got a better idea. Huh. Hallelujah. We got a lot of apostolics today. They think they got a better idea than the pastor or the Sunday school teacher or this one or that. Hello, somebody. Amen. We're fragmented. And then we want to know how come we don't have the services like they had 40 years ago. Wonder on. Hallelujah. Now, what I'm talking about tonight, pastor's getting some, uh, uh, we're getting into it tight, but it's right. Hallelujah. This will help us if we, can, if we can get a hold of something. You see, Apostle Paul was more concerned for their spiritual health than his physical need. He was happy that they had gotten together and they was trying to help him while he was in prison. But Paul was concerned more for their spiritual health than his physical need. He was locked up. He didn't know for sure if he would ever get to go visit them again. He was the founder of this church. He was the man who started this church. And he was in prison now. And he didn't know what they was going to do. He didn't know what the sentence was going to be at the time he wrote this. He didn't know if he would ever get to go back to Philippians and preach to those people another time. 
Hallelujah. So he wanted to let them know what they needed to do to survive, grow, and carry on in the kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know how long it's got me to be here. I don't, uh, I don't know. I mean, you don't never know what is going to happen. You don't never know. But while I'm here, while God has got me as shepherd over this flock, I want to give you something that will help you to grow and to carry on when I'm gone. Hallelujah. There are too many churches for the people, and listen to me, I'm talking honestly to you tonight, church. There are too many churches, and when I say church, I'm I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the apostolic church. There are too many churches that's more in love with the pastor than they are the church. Hallelujah. We have got to get ourselves focused. We have got to make the main thing the main thing. We need to quit majoring on minor stuff. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I mean, we've got a habit of taking something that's measly and and, and fighting for that for all, all, all work and forgetting about what God is really wanting to do, how the Spirit is wanting to move. Hallelujah. So Paul, he didn't know what his situation was going to be. And so he wanted to give them something. If you'll turn over to the back. Hallelujah. Let me finish reading reading uh, that. You can turn over the back. But I want to read that again. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, and of one mind, Neither pray, uh, well, let me, no, I don't want to, I, I don't, I don't want to jump, jump ahead right there. This is what we've got to do. What happened before the day of Pentecost could fully come? They was in one mind and one accord. Hallelujah. Amen. Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they was in one mind and one accord. And that one accord don't mean they was in a Honda. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. They they prayed in that upper room for 10 days. It took them 10 days for everybody to get together and get assembled. They was all in the upper room, but they wasn't assembled. It took them 10 long days of prayer and fasting to get assembled. When they got assembled, Brother Jeff, and in one accord, it didn't take hardly no time that that Holy Ghost wind began to blow. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. 
we talk about being apostolic because we say we follow what the apostles do, then we need to look and see how they do it, and we need to start going back again, doing it like they did it. Hallelujah. Amen. If we expect to ever be an effective, viable force in this sin-infected world, then we as the church must become one in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We've got to become one in Christ Jesus. In fact, before Jesus was crucified, he prayed for his disciples. Now, a lot of things happen in that upper room as they was partaking of the, the Passover meal uh, and a lot of things happened and he, he gave them a lot of information. And before they left, before uh, Jesus was crucified, he prayed for his disciples before they left the upper room after their Passover meal and went to the garden. He also prayed for us that night that we, his church, would be one in him. Did you know that? He prayed for his disciples. You'll find this prayer in the 17th chapter of St. John. He began by saying, Father, glory, glorify you know, thy son. My hour has come. And he prayed for his disciples. That was, that was the 12, those that he had been training for three and a half years, it was going to head up his church. But he didn't just pray for them. He prayed for you and me. Man it, makes, man, it makes me swell up to know that Jesus prayed for me. This right here lets me know. He prayed for them, but then John 17 and 20, look at that. He says, neither pray I for these alone. Or in other words, I'm not just praying, Father, for these 12 disciples. He said, I'm not just praying for them, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's me. That's you. The reason why you believe on Jesus is because Peter, James, and John. You believe on Jesus because of their word. Do you hear that? Understand that. Get a hold of that. The night before Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed for God to let the cup pass for him, before he prayed that prayer, he prayed for you. He says, Father, I don't just pray for these 12 that's gathered around me in this room right now, but I'm also praying for those who shall believe on me through thy word. What did Jesus pray about why did he pray and what did he pray look at it that they all may be what wow jesus is about to give his life he's about to die and he's concerned about you and me being one having unity being together having the same mind having the same love being in one accord 
He was fixing to feel nails going through his hands and feet. He was fixing to have a crown of thorns put on his head. And he prayed to God that you and me would be one. I figure being one must be pretty important to God. Hallelujah. He's sick and tired with our isms and our schisms. He's sick and tired with our cliques. Every church in Pentecost has got a handful of people that just fellowship with a handful of people. They forget about those over here and those over there. If you ain't in their clique, you ain't got no fellowship with them. Oh, hallelujah. Well, these over here are, my more, uh, are more my age. They ain't got nothing to do with it. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost and they're filled with the Holy Ghost, we're supposed to be one in Christ Jesus. It don't make no difference if, if this one's one and that over there's a hundred. We're supposed to have the same mind. Yes. Same love. So ask me why we're not having the services like they had 40 years ago. I tell you, I'm telling you why right now. We don't have the unity in the body of Christ. He said that they all, not just part of us, but all, be one as thou, Father, art in me. And I, now we all jumping around saying, hallelujah, glory to God. Jesus is in God and God is in Jesus and they're all one. Well, guess what Jesus says? Shelly and darling, y'all supposed to be just like Jesus and God the Father. Chris, Chris and Paul, Jesus, you know, y'all supposed to be just like Jesus and God. I'm not saying it. The book is saying it right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're supposed to be one. We're supposed to be one. Glory to God. So neither pray I for those, those alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's us today, and that's those all the way down through time until Jesus comes. Look at your paper there. That Listen, I, I worked and prayed and sought God a long time for this lesson tonight. Like-minded, same love, one accord, and a one mind. These were the expectations of Jesus and the Apostle Paul for the church. Look at that. How well do we measure up to those expectations today? To be like-minded, to have the same love, to be in one accord, in the one mind. That was the expectation of Jesus, and that was the expectation of the Apostle Paul. How well do we measure up to that today? If we don't feel that we measure up, it is imperative. It is imperative that we do whatever necessary to see that the prayer Jesus prayed for us is fulfilled. Hallelujah. If you got an issue with a brother and sister, you got an obligation to see that it gets worked out. Not just sit around and talk about it and say, I hope this thing works out. You, God expects you to do something to make a move about Amen. it. Hallelujah.
glory. So, the lesson that we're talking about tonight is a higher call of unity, that we need to be unified. How do we do that? I want to talk about now the essential element to unity. And I've got this down, you've got this in your hand, that the essential element. What is essential? How can we become unified? How can we become one? How can we assemble the way we ought to assemble? Listen, the body of Christ today is fragmented by a proud, self-centered, egocentric spirit which pervades even within members of the same denomination. Amen. We've become fragmentized. We've got too many proud spirits, self-centered spirits, egocentric spirits that even pervades not just, not just members of different denominations, but in the same group of people, Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, and yes, even apostolicism have all been seduced by the all-about-me attitude. They didn't sing my songs tonight. I'm going, I'll be back when I feel like it. Maybe you ought to underline that right there on your handout, that we have all been seduced by the all-about-me attitude. Hallelujah. People get mad and walk away from churches because they think more about them than they do the body. They think it's about making them happy. Huh? Hallelujah. Last time I read... I got a door right here, and I'm going to have to go through this door while I got it because it's been a while since I had it. And, I, and there's, there's a phrase that's popular. But, you know, how many knows that just because something's popular don't mean it's true? Just because something's popular don't mean it's true. I, I've heard it say on TV, everybody go to the church of your choice. That's a lie. There ain't no such thing as the church of your choice. Last time I read about what the Bible calls you, the Bible calls you a sheep. And you tell me when the sheep decides which fold he goes to. Huh? I love it. Hey, we got to have more. We don't have enough to, to do the vision that God has put me for this church. But I'm going to tell you, nobody here that God ain't planted here. And if God planted you here, you're being disobedient if you're trying to go somewhere else. And God will punish you for that. That's part of reaping and sowing. Oh, man, I, this place needs to be full here. I, I, I'm giving you something, something good tonight. Hallelujah. 
Amen. The Bible says God places every member in the body as it pleases him, not them. Hallelujah. You go out there in the sheep fields of the Middle East and you see which sheep tries to sneak. Ain't no sheep in the world ever try to sneak into another fold. They bring all the sheep in, amen, after they, and then shepherds come in. And I've had, Brother brother Shoulders told uh, told me one time, it was amazing in the morning when they got ready to carry their own, each shepherd get their own group of sheep out. They might might be uh, um, uh, sheep uh, uh, together that belongs to three or four shepherds, but each sheep, when that one shepherd comes, they all start coming out at the sound of his name, and they start following him. Hello, somebody. Uh. Hallelujah. Glory. The essential element to unity. It's not about me. It's not about you. But it's all about him. It's all about him. So what will break the spell? What will tear down the walls of division that has been built in the body. Jesus has already showed us the way and given us the essential element for unity. And you know what that is? It's humility. It is humility. Now, we're going back to some, to verse 3 of what we read in the beginning. Listen. Now we're talking about, we've talked about how we got to be unified. How we all got to be one. We got to be like-minded, have the same mind, the same attitude. How do we achieve that? The only way that we can achieve that is follow the example of Jesus and have humility. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Ouch. That's what we don't do that. That's why we don't have a unity and we don't assemble ourselves. Listen, let's go further. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. You might not like it, but you're responsible for me. You are responsible for me. You are responsible for me. You hear me? You're supposed to be concerned about my interest. And me, likewise. Right. Did not he say rejoice with those who rejoice? You know, isn't it funny how when something good happens to us, maybe we get a raise or get a promotion or get a better car, we come in, we're happy, and we, we expect everybody to be happy and thrilled for us, but something good happened to somebody else. Or, um, Rejoice with those that rejoice. 
I'm supposed to be just as happy. I'm supposed to be just as happy and rejoice with you if something great happens to you financially, physically, and otherwise, as much as I would be if it was my own self. If I consider us brothers in Christ. Jealousy. Amen. We shouldn't be going around and pouting to God. How come you're blessing them more than you're blessing me? Look in the face, look in the mirror, and you'll find out. Hallelujah. We're supposed to rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with those who weep. If one member of the body suffer, we all supposed to suffer. That's unity. But the only way to achieve that church is that we get ourselves and keep ourselves humble. Let each one of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Mm. Hallelujah. This is how Jesus did it. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Wow. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's right there in your handout. Don't do nothing through selfish ambition or conceit. There's nothing wrong with ambition. There's nothing, it's, this here's not talking about something being wrong with you being ambitious that you want to try to accomplish something, to do something. But there is something wrong with selfish ambition. Hallelujah. Amen. Lowliness of mind. Each esteem others better than himself. Let this mind be in you or this attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Listen, folks. Although Jesus was God manifested in the flesh, he lived his life like a slave. He was God. But did he use that to make himself greater than somebody else? He, made him, he kept himself in a form of servant even though he's a creator of the universe. After they ate their, their Passover meal, he, he, he got a towel and girded himself and poured water, and he, he, he knelt down and he began to wash his disciples' feet. That's God. But he showed the importance of staying humble. Don't become heady and high-minded. Don't think it's all about you. You see, that's the only way that we can, that's the only way that we can become unified, church. That's the only way. We, we can't have a superiority complex. Think that we are better than this one. Man, you know, I've had the Holy Ghost longer than so-and-so. That don't really mean nothing. 
you may have had the Holy Ghost for 20 years, but this one over here only had it six months and may be doing a whole lot more for God than you are. Hallelujah. We're not in competition with one another. Hallelujah. Amen. We're not trying to impress one another. We're trying to give praises to God. Amen. Praises to God. One other scripture that I'm going to close my point because I've, I've got down to the handout I gave you tonight. Then I'll open up the floor if anybody wants to add any comments or um, have any questions. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 and 28, but Jesus called them to himself and said, and I've got these words up here in red just like it is in a lot of the Bibles, so that you know it's the words of the Lord. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Listen, look at this. Look at this. This is how we obtain unity. We follow the example of Jesus. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's the key. How can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I benefit you? It's not about me. It's not about you serving me, benefiting me about the body of Christ coming together in unity and love for one another. When we do that, when we humble, it takes humility because we got to be willing sometimes to, to submit down to others. If God if God knows my heart, church, and I believe God knows my heart, I believe God knows all of our hearts. Most of the time, you see me up here behind this desk. For a lot of you, that's the only place you've ever known me. But as God is my witness, I can be sitting right here, looking up there, and praising God to whoever God has got. Hallelujah. How can I say that? Because I've been both places. I've been both places. I understand what it's all about. I'm not in the position that I am because I desired it or I wanted it. You would never got me to believe in a hundred years that I would ever become the pastor of Full Gospel Church, now Christ Family Church. It never was my desire. As I told Brother Sullivan Sunday night, I was happy being an evangelist. I loved evangelizing. Man, I could go somewhere and hold a revival and preach for a preacher for a pastor 
and get up there and unload the one-two punch and get out of Dodge. Hallelujah. I, I had a couple of pastors down through during those 20 years that I evangelized told me, he said, you don't realize how, how, how blessed you are. I said, what do you mean? He said, you can get up there and preach what God tells you to preach, and you don't have to be here to put up with it next week. He said, I get up here today. He said, I'm going to be here to face the music next week. You're gone. Hallelujah. I, I, I'm, I'm thankful to be in the family of God. I'm grateful to just have a little part in what he's trying to do on this planet. Amen. And let me tell you this. For future reference, for the most part, anybody who desires a position, no matter what the position in the church is, they don't need it. My pastor taught me that a long time ago, Bishop Shoulders. We shouldn't be striving for positions. Hallelujah. I've got a, <laughs> not only beside pastor, I've got, I've got a, I've got a load that I carry for the, uh, the association that we're part of, the, the, uh, the Associated Brotherhood of Christian, the ABC, as, as the mission's secretary. Let me tell you something. I did not, I did not, I did not. Tr I did not canvass for that. I did not uh, uh, strive to be elected to that. When I went, when I went to Hot Springs that year, that was not on my mind. I didn't even know Brother Pitts was going to step down. God looks at all of us, and He knows what gifts that he can give every one of us. And the gifts that we, that we can handle and not let them get, go to our head, that's the ones he'll let us have. Some people can't handle any kind of power, authority. They automatically become a dictator. Hallelujah. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to mention that. The body has got to be as one. We've got to be unified. Hallelujah. Anybody got any comments? Anybody got any questions? This, the Lord really moved upon me with this, this lesson. This, this lesson tonight is one of the most important teaching lessons I've taught in a while because this is a key to solving a lot of problems within the body of Christ that's prevalent today.